Revolting is produced by the Cycling Independent, the only cycling media completely free of commercial influence. We are community-supported and dedicated to the whole of cycling. As our tagline says, if you ride bikes, you're one of us. This is revolting with Steve and Robot <laughs> on the Cycling Independent, episode 60, Doomsday Prep. Content warning. If you don't like bad words and immature nonsense, this podcast isn't for you. Uh, take a hike, find something else to do for the next 60 to 62 minutes. Uh, Knit me some mittens. And I was laughing because I'm just, as I usually do, I'm coming into this uh, exchange totally ill-prepared. And we were just discussing how (laughs) how how fucked up everything is. And then I opened the notes and it's the episode is about doomsday preparation. So uh, that's funny, man. Yeah, you. So we were discussing you just went to D.C. to visit your wife's. A sick mom and um, have not even yet. So Christmas has days passed now at this point. When people hear this episode, it will be January. January. They will hear this in January and they will not give any shits at all about Christmas and they'll be irritated that we're even talking about it. But go on. Well, Christmas, I mean, nobody should give shits about Christmas in December because it's not when the baby Jesus was born anyway. It's been verified that he was born in June. But again, the Christians went and mucked up the fucking scene like they do. <laughs> and so now we're stuck with Toyotathon. <laughs> anyway. Um, Toyotathon. Yeah. I wish so, Toyota was our sponsor. Happy uh, 2023. Sperm free in 23. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's the slogan I came up with yesterday. I like that. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I want to I wanna say that... Um, so neither of us is particularly well prepared, even though I've been up for a few hours already. And what usually happens, we get we do this, we we get on Skype so we can see each other while we're talking. And uh, I never know whether he's making the Skype meeting or I'm making the Skype meeting. No one had made the Skype meeting. So I went ahead and opened up Skype and I created a meeting and Skype is like, what do you want to call your meeting? So I was like two dicks talking, obviously, because that's what it is. And then I got an instantly got an email from him having already started a meeting. So I was like, fuck it. I'll join his meeting. And I opened his meeting and it said, fuck faces. <laughs> I, was, I, was looking, I was looking through, I was looking through some of the other notes and there is like Harry balls anonymous. And it's just, it's ridiculous. The other note or the other uh, meeting titles, the meeting yes. names. We are the same 12 year old child. <laughs> We're, but we're we're two six year olds uh, in a trench yeah. coat, we're standing, <laughs> <laughs> standing on each other's shoulders. I ca- I'm just bummed because I think you're probably the one on the top. Oof. Um, it's um, been a real fucked up couple of days. Yeah, yeah. I just drove uh, seventeen hours to spend three hours with my ill mother in law. That's rough. 
Yeah, I I went to the post office this morning to uh, mail a T-shirt. You can buy cycling independent T-shirts, by the way. Uh, But I went to the post office with the other 87 year old people uh, to mail the T-shirt. And the woman behind the counter, Lisa, who is I know now, uh, she's like, how was your holiday, dear? (laughs) And I was like, "Uh, not great, if I'm honest with you. And she said, what happened? I said, oh, well, I spent all this time driving to see this uh, sick old lady. Uh, and it was the right thing to do, but it wasn't a ton of fun. And I said, I said, how was yours? Because normally when someone says, how were your holidays? It's either going to be something anodyne, like, oh, yeah, real good. Or, oh, we had a great time. You know, there's going to be something. So I said, well, uh, but how were yours? And she said, my husband sucks. <laughs> and i realized i realized that her question to me was just a setup (laughs) yeah you know what we've talked about this it's uh it's a chuck falanek i think it was in fight club it said the only reason people ask you how you are is so they can talk about themselves i think that was a line from that book or it was something that he said in that instance what's her what's her name lisa lisa i'm totally here for it I know, (laughs) I know that when she asks me how I am, my answer doesn't matter to either of us, but um, what matters is what, what's about to come out of Lisa's mouth. Yes. Lisa's the best. In fact, if you were going to pronounce Lisa's name, like Lisa does, you would call her Lisa. Lisa. I wish I had a better ear for accents. I, I've known people who can fake. I mean, at least as far as I know, they can fake good accents. Hmm. And I can't do any accents. I when I do an English accent, it sounds like a like a Australian trying to sound like a Texan trying to sound like an English person trying to sound like an American. It's just marble yeah. mouth. Uh, but you have a good. You got the Boston accent down, Pat. Uh, I practiced. I have practiced it a lot. I might have just um, spent my life in places where there <clears throat> there are no accent. It's like the accent is an absolute lack of accent. You know what I mean? Yeah. When I came to Boston, I had a Southern accent and people were like, oh, you sound real cute. And I was like, oh, you mean real dumb. So then I decided to brock brocaw the shit out of my accent, which for those of you under the age of 100 uh, would be Tom Brokaw, the former NBC news anchor. And it's basically the accent that Steve or anyone west of. I don't know. West of somewhere sounds like which to me, is an accentless American accent. It's an accentless uh, accent. Yeah, that's I always used to say, like, Coloradans. Although, when you get into rural areas, everybody sounds the same. Everybody has, like, a, a southern twang, which is weird. But growing up on yes. the front range, I would listen, and there's no, there's no accent. And then I moved to, you know, California, and I guess there's a drawl there. I've been told that I have a Californian accent, which I think is curious i buy that i buy that i hear little things in your accent sometimes Mm. the funniest uh the funny so i think of the way you and i speak as being accentless american accent and i know that it's an american accent because when i go to visit my family in wales my cousins will do american accents oh it's the best that are 
fucking hilarious. It's, that's my favorite. <laughs> I used to work with this cat named Andy Cap when I was a messenger who's English, and we would always, like, I would always get him to do an American accent for me because it would just, as soon as he would inhale to begin doing it, I would start pissing my <laughs> pants. He, he sound, he, they all sound like John Wayne. They do, and also they say things that they think are typically American, which are hilarious. They say things like, I'll have one Diet Coke. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Excuse me, I'm late to shoot my hamburger. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm here for the buy one get one free shotguns. <laughs> <laughs> and it, when they do that accent, it makes me realize how fucking stupid I am. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I move around to my regular life and I'm almost convinced uh. I'm okay. I almost begin to think like, oh no, I'm okay. And then they say something like, um, "Is there meat in that lasagna?" And I'm like, oh fuck, no, I'm I'm a fucking idiot. I, I didn't realize that I am stupid. But I'm glad that I know that now. Oh my god, I haven't laughed that hard in a while. I'm like, like I guess I, when I laugh really hard, I start sweating. I mean, I sweat a lot anyway, but like. I'm sitting in my closet now. I'm sweating. I almost, so I have a mic screen. I have a mic. And then, <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then I have my computer and I took a drink of coffee. I took a drink of coffee and right, <laughs> right before you. <laughs> Get a hold of yourself. Right. <laughs> right before you said the lasagna thing, I had to choke the, the little drink of coffee to swallow a coffee down super, super fast because I knew I knew that she was about to get critical. <laughs> oh fuck me, that was good. Yeah. Woo. All right. Okay. What are we doing now? Um, Want to do an ad spot? No. Let me wipe my my forehead off. Yeah, go ahead, do that. Dude, we're gonna do we're gonna do music picks, and then and then we'll break for uh, to identify a sponsor. Okay. All right. Um. Fuck. Oh, you all right? Yeah. I'm the. I'll go ahead and go first because I don't really know anything about this band, and and so I don't have that much to say about it. But uh, my friend Roger Cadman, do you know him? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's great. <laughs> oh, shout out Roger Cadman. I didn't expect Ro- old Roger to come up on the podcast. I've, I've never met him, but he and I have been virtual friends for, I don't know, since the since I got on the internet. He may have been the first person I met on the, like, it was, the, he was the, the, the greeting committee. Like, sign up for oh. the internet, and then there's Roger. What's up, Steve? I'm Roger. I'm your first internet friend. I worked with Roger for a few years, uh, and I love him so much. Yeah, he's great. Really good taste in music, but he turned me on to this band called uh, Chat Pile, which I immediately texted you about. Um, oh, yeah. And the album, I don't know anything about them, but the album's called God's Country, and it is just absolutely 
brutal. It's just fucking. <laughs> That's what I was gonna say. Yeah, I think they're they're on their third. They're work. They're doing the third pressing of God's Country right now. And as soon as I as soon as I got the text from Roger, I immediately ordered the the record. So I've been listening to a digital, the digital version on Bandcamp. But um, you know, I will be more immersed once the record lands sometime in the next couple of weeks. I think. So yeah, God's Country by Chatpile. So Roger, I don't, uh, this is, we could just do a show about Roger, but Roger (laughs) for a bunch of years managed the Newbery Comics warehouse Mm -hmm. Um, and Newbery Comics uh, for you non-New England or non-Bostonian people, Newbery Comics was like where you bought records for a long time. Like it was a comic book. They had comic books. I guess they started in comic books, but it was very much like ground zero for buying punk rock records in the eighties and nineties. And so every, I wouldn't, I won't say every, but very, very many Boston shithead punk kids worked for Roger, uh, at the Newbury comics warehouse. And it was like, it was like a cult. The, that group of people. Uh, to me, uh, but as a result, uh, Roger knows every piece of music I think ever, and he's a good guy to talk about skate videos with. Yeah, he's just like he's just you know aging punker like the rest of us, you know. Yeah, kind of like made made a career out for himself <clears throat> with uh, with his skills and knowledge of being an aging punker, like I suppose we have. So you know, Fuck. cut from yeah. the same cloth. Yes. Uh, yeah. So there you go. Chat, chat pile. pile. What do you got? Uh, ch- chat pile is brutal. You texted me about that. And I put that on. I was like, ow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Real ear stabby. Yeah. Yeah. That's rugged. Um, I am picking. This is a sketchy one for me because I've only listened to this record one time. It just came out. The band is called Yard Act. And they are from Leeds in the United Kingdom. Uh, And I listened to it this morning, actually, uh, as I walked around freezing my ass off. And I I was like, oh, I really I want to like this record. Uh, And it turned out I did. uh, But it's different. It's like. It's like post punk sarcasm disco is what I would call it. A lot of, a lot of English, uh, punk bands don't use the distortion. They go with the, the sort of jangle. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yard act is one of those. And the lyrics are just brutally hilarious and brilliant. Hmm. Um, so I don't know if this is one I'm going to put on. I don't know if I would call it a toe tapper, but I do think it's a really good record and it's called the overload, the overload. And it's basically just being angry about, uh, rich people and hypocrites and shitheads. Okay. Well, I think you might like it. Uh, when the, um, when the episode comes out, they have a, a web page, uh, what are those called? Website or yes. Bandcamp page or whatever. Yes. Okay. 
We will hook it up in the notes. Uh, if you go to the post on the Cycling Independent, that's where you can find links. That's what I was about to say. We have, um, uh, I've had, I've had a number of people co- contact me and ask, like, is there how do is there a co- comprehensive list <clears throat> where a person can find all of these bands that we mention? And um, we were kind of discussing putting a. Spotify list together and then our friend Christina was going to maybe do that and we I don't know um, you just got to go through all of the posts <laughs> and listen for the first 20 minutes and figure out like what the <laughs> name of the bands are but <clears throat> yeah for the most part I think we you weren't doing it initially but for the most part we have links in the the notes on Cycling Independent so you can find links directly to the band's sites mm-hmm. One thing we had talked about doing was every Thursday on your site doing a a music post from oh. the podcast. And every week when the week is over, I'm like, oh, yeah, I meant to do that. Yeah. Okay. But every week. It's been like a month, <clears throat> I think, since I proposed that, and I have not done it once yet. That's only that's only four <laughs> episodes that we would need to get through. Yeah. Uh, okay. That seems like a pretty good idea. I got a website. You can We can do that. Hey, <clears throat> real quick, I talked, I, I have been, so like all of the entire America has been under a, a snow storm, uh, for the last five days or seven days or maybe longer. Definitely. We've had our sh- fair share of real inclement weather in Northern Washington. And, uh, the other day, like while I was pacing around in my space, sort of like that guy in that movie old boy where he just wanders around and does push-ups and beats up the wall and eats the same meal and is there for 20 years and then finally gets out and kills a bunch of people with a hammer so that's kind of what i'm working up to but at one point i i looked i wanted to see this movie called murder in the front row about the 80s bay area thrash metal scene and i knew that there was a bunch of people in that movie that i knew and and like old pictures you know, a lot of live action shots uh, at this place called Ruthie's Inn, where a lot of those bands got their start, which ironically is now a church like Slayer got their start there. And now it's a church, but it's like an old bar, you know. Um, <clears throat> so I Googled or did an Internet search for murder in the front row and looked at the options where I could watch this movie. And it says like Apple TV, two ninety nine. Google 299, whatever. And it says to be free, T-U-B-I-T-V. It's a streaming service I'd never heard of before. So I watched it and then it gives you like nine uh, recommendations based on this one movie, kind of like most streaming services do. And I was like, holy shit, Decline of Western Civilization 1 is on here. Like I haven't been, I haven't been able to find that anywhere. So I watched that again and I was like, oh, holy shit, Decline of Western Civilization 3 I've only heard of that. I've never seen it. So I watched that. And then that opened up to there's just an absolute bonanza of music documentaries. And I watched, I don't know, I think I've watched 20 in the last three or four days. Like, it's just, just, they're just nonstop. There's one about the replacements. There's one about Nick Cave. There's one about L7, one about Pixies, one about the history of the electric guitar, which is a really good one. Two about vinyl collectors. Uh, one about record production, 
Um, uh, what was one about dead guy? Like there's a documentary oh, about yeah. dead guy, which killing was killing music, dead guy, killing music. Super yeah. fascinating. Um, and of course, salad days and you weren't there and like, uh, you know, all the standards <clears throat> fucking unreal. So yeah, I've just like completely lost my mind the last like 96 hours. Doesn't sound unpleasant <clears throat> though. Oh, it was great. No, it was great. I mean, I was getting, I was getting a little stir crazy, but, um, Oh, and there's a new one not on Tubi. I think it's on Hulu about Dio. It's a documentary about Dio that my dear friend Robert Ives turned me on to, and it is oh. fucking fantastic. Holy cow, what a phenomenon that guy was. For some reason, you said Dio, and I immediately thought I, I could see Dio, and then I flashed like Danzig. I was like, what if you had a band with double front men who were both like five foot two? <laughs> Super fierce short guys. Yeah. Or how some exciting would that be? Dio Dio Dionzig. Dionzig. So you have like a guy <laughs> like a Rhea Perlman looking guy fronting a Danzig tribute band. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> let's get on with uh, this. Let's shit. do the episode. Uh, this episode is about bike gear. Cyclists love capital letters, love their shit from N1. What N1 bikes? What is that? N plus one bikes. N plus one bikes. What is that? N plus one. N plus one. The correct number of bikes you own is N plus one, where huh. N is the number you own now. Oh, okay. That's cool. I have never seen that before. <laughs> oh, uh, welcome to Earth. Go to on. The, to the latest <gasps> Gore Tex eyebrow warmers. Uh, we inhabit an industry that thrives on making small, technologically questionable iterations to last season's stuff and then selling it to us like magic beans sprinkled with fairy dust. Today, we discuss what you actually need. I felt like that paragraph was some of my best work of the year 2022, <laughs> and, and you ruined it. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen that. I've never seen that put phrasing or whatever. I've never You've never that. heard of N plus one? No. Oh, that's like every cyclist alive knows what N plus one is. Is that a math? Is that like based on math stuff? Yeah, yeah. It's a, a equation. Oh well, that, that that there you go. I mean, I don't I don't do math. You don't fuck with that. No. Yeah. N plus right. one. Now I'm going to start using that in all my conversations. And if anybody else says, "What the fuck does that mean?" I'll say, "Exactly." <laughs> <laughs> the fuck is wrong with you? Everyone knows N plus one is the correct number of beers to drink, where N is the number you've already had. Oh, that's uh, fascinating. I wasn't expecting to learn anything today. Okay, <laughs> so there we go. We're going to talk about stuff you need and stuff you don't need. Yes. So question one is you, Stevel, uh, famously hate to talk about gear. But you have a lot of it. What is your best bike and what is your best riding costume? Mm. Well, I don't have, well, I guess I have a lot of it. I don't know. Um, How many bikes do you own? Oh, a lot. I mean, I had, you know, before I moved, I had, I think I had 14 or 15. Yep. Uh, you know, like I had to leave. So I unloaded, you know, I was trying to like save money to, finance my new existence and so i sold tons tons for pennies on the dollar it was grim um but now here i have 
uh, three, three, four bikes. Which four is, bikes? Yeah. yeah, I have like my shitty town bike, like my rain bar bike, and then a, a real nice single speed cross bike, and then my real nice uh, drop bar cross slash gravel slash adventure whatever bike, and then my mountain bike. Yep. <clears throat> um, and you know, like your best bike, the best bike is the one you're on. You know. Oh does, yeah, I think that's probably right. Yeah, I think I think. You know, if you got a bike that you really love to be on and you, it takes you places and calms your jangled nerves or transports you from heartbreak or to bliss, that's the one. So that's my answer. I seem to have that equation backwards. I'm always chasing heartbreak and running away from bliss, <laughs> but go on. <laughs> Yeah, uh, gear, uh, like gear stuff. I don't know. <clears throat> I think like I really had it figured out in the Bay Area because it, you know, like I knew the temperature. I knew how I knew how shit worked here. As similarly in Santa Cruz, like it'll be, you know, 70 degrees during the day. And then as soon as the sun goes down, it's like minus 30 it's wild. It's uh-huh. it's people people uh, sort of erroneously believe that Santa Cruz is this like balmy beach town, but the colds there are otherworldly. Uh, Gene Oberpriller actually came out. Gene Oberpriller from from One on One Studio in Minneapolis. He came out and did a race, and he sort of infamously said the coldest he'd ever been was this race in Santa Cruz. And this guy lives, you know, in the North Pole, right. So it is like, it's kind of, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of hard to dress for that sort of thing. So you just have to load a bunch of shit in your backpack. Um, generally, a wool underlayer, a Lycra jersey, uh, a vest and arm warmers is real nice for like temperate, you know, otherwise. Well, I'm just, I'm a big fan of wool. I think wool is a wonder Same. material. Yeah. So... You can, like my mom always said, you can't have too much, you know, like it's better to have too much than not enough. So I always have like a shit ton of stuff in my backpack. You go everywhere with luggage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've yeah. gotten stranded uh, with not enough and it's, and I don't, that was a really unpleasant experience. So I would rather get stranded and have a bag full of stuff, you know, even like a dry hat like a dry skull cap or a wool cap or a beanie or something, just something to put on your head, your sweaty head. That's real nice. Or even if you, you know, you're like riding somewhere and you want to stop and have a snack and it's cold, you're warm in the ride and you stop and you have a snack and then you get real chilled. If you have a dry jacket to put on a dry hat, you know, a a dry pair of gloves and I sweat like a freak. So same. It's just like, it's just a constant battle. Same, but I take a I take a different approach. Like I don't I go pretty minimal. I always am aiming to wear the minimum that I need. Uh because I sweat so much, because I heat up so fast. And this time of year <clears throat> I just my rule is just like don't stop. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like someone will be like, Oh, do you want to stop in here and get a cup of coffee? Well, no, because I'm gonna free I'll fucking die when we walk back out. It's true, but I love like stopping is the best part I of I know riding. stopping's the best. I love it so I'm much. I'm too lazy to pack is my problem. <clears throat> you know, so these two guys that I've been riding with, Joe and Greg, they have these cool 
uh, what are they called? Pack? They're like fanny packs. They're like big fanny packs. And it's a woman in town. Pack? Pack gear? Pack something? Um, I don't know. She, she makes a bunch of different bags, and they have some of those. And I got one of those because I was like, I don't need, like during the summertime, I don't need this whole thing. Because if I bring this whole thing, then I'm going to fill this whole thing. And then I got sketchbooks and pins and pencils and <laughs> fucking, you know, shit from like gro- a grocery run that I forgot to get cans. Of- One time I had a, I found a can of cat food in my bag that I forgot to pull out. <laughs> so Subway tokens from cities that don't exist anymore. Go on. <laughs> yeah. So I just don't have like, I just, I just, I'm just like not very organized when it comes to that stuff. Anyway, so to, to pare down and to pack smaller uh was a real nice concept to me but i'm just it's like linus in a security blanket you know like i have this bag and i know no matter what i'm prepared i for so in the early 90s i bought a courier bag because that's what you had to do Mm -hmm. i was never a courier i was always a poser but i bought this courier bag and I always had shit to carry everywhere. Of course I did. Um, you know, there was, if it wasn't the U-lock, it was like, but I was going to school. So it was books or I was going to work. So it was clothes that weren't sweated out or it was whatever. And I wore a bag so much that very occasionally there would be a time when I was riding somewhere and didn't need any stuff. And I would be like, I would, okay, I'm not going to bring a bag, but it felt so so really like i don't know how to ride a bike without a bag yeah yeah i had a girlfriend in college used to call it my purse like you call don't forget your purse because i was always like i was never without a bag it was a army surplus bag or it was a messenger bag my friend worked at timbuktu she was a sewer like within the maybe the first five years of the company's existence and she gave me a bag so i had like i got this cool blue you know it's just a real real average basic looking bag but that went with me everywhere and i had like i either didn't same as you like i either didn't have anything in it which was cool because then i could put shit in it or it was (laughs) jam-packed full of stuff which was fine um yeah i tell you what though like you know messengering i i wore obviously i wore a sling bag when i was a messenger but it was just like it's not a good design for like commuting or whatever. The the reason it is the way it is is so you can swing it around and get into it and throw it back on your bag. And, uh, you know, you're in yeah. and out of your bag all day, every day. But the second, like as soon, whenever I was not messengering, whenever I wasn't working, um, I had a world, uh, a mountain Smith world cup backpack. And it was the first backpack that I'd seen that was like bike specific. There was a little slot for a bladder. There was shoe, sort of shoe bags on the side. There was a helmet net. Like it was really, I love this bag, but it was just a little too small. And then probably in the early, God, what year is this? Early 2000, late, late nineties, early two thousands. My ex came home and she had this Trek bag, this backpack that was exactly like the mountain Smith bag, but it was much bigger and then I just flipped my shit and I bought like, <laughs> I bought like over the course of the year and they, they changed the design period, like annually. I bought, 
probably like 10 of those. <laughs> and then when I found out that they were going out of production, I bought like five of them. So I had like a, <laughs> I had freshies because I would just destroy them, you know, and they were great bags, but I would wear the absolute shit out of them. And then in the third iteration of Swobo, uh, Peter Disco, who was running it at the time, we partnered and got a bag made that was just the same specs. It can carry an 18 pack. It had all the bells and whistles. It was so like that for like all of my gear, like that particular style of bag is my, that's my, my ride or die. Like I love those bags. I only wear backpacks now. And I, I had this experience like when I was, I wasn't a messenger, but I was in and out of my bag all the time. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, so it made sense. <clears throat> but then after I, I became just like a commuter where I was just transporting stuff to work and then to home, I didn't have that. And I had worn a courier bag for so many years that I started to have like neck and shoulder issues yep. on the one side. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, this, uh, this is insane. I got to get a backpack. Mm -hmm. And yeah, then I, they're just not, they're not ergonomically correct no. at all. No. And then uh, my wife makes fun of me because I buy backpacks. I buy bags a lot. Oh, bags are great. I love bags. I love bags. God, uh, Corndog from Dank Bags. Uh, he was in Seattle. He lives in Portland now. He made me a like a proper gigantic messenger backpack. Uh, I don't know, seven or eight years ago. Yeah. And um, it's ridiculous. It's too, it's too big. Like, I can't. It's... It's big enough that I can load it to the point where I'm physically incapable of carrying the amount of shit that the bag can hold. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, I love that bag. I'm I'm backpack guy to till okay. the end. Me too. Let's. But we are so far off the rails now. Uh, so we started by saying, "What's the right? What's the best bike? And what's the best riding costume?" I just want to distill very quickly. I think we both agree that something like. Uh, a gravel bike is probably the best bike. It's the most useful one. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, you're not going to want to take something like that to Downeyville or or Whistler or like I've never been to Whistler, but I can, you know, I've seen pictures. Uh, but for like the kind of trail riding I did in Santa Cruz and the Bay Area and now Bellingham, like, and the what what I always describe it as is like if you're going to ride to your ride, which you know we do you you're, yeah. you're on a paved road and you maybe hey there's a little fire road and i'm gonna see where that goes <clears throat> oh there's a little game trail i'm gonna see where that goes they're easily transportable you can shoulder them you can ride single track you can ride fire roads you can ride like riding a road on a mountain bike is boring to me yeah i don't think anyone should throw their mountain bike away because mountain biking is super awesome but the most useful bike is probably that gravel bike. i think so it's like a swiss army knife the best riding costume is, I don't know, figure it the fuck out yourself, but it probably has a bunch of wool in it. Yeah. And, and I like wool because it's warm, it breathes, and it doesn't stink. I like bibs. I like a pair of bib shorts, uh, either Mission Workshop or, or Acre Supply over shorts or just some Ben Davis cutoffs. And during the summer, a cotton shirt. I don't give a fuck. Wool is oh. great. Because it dries, it's warm and it dries and it's whatever, it's fine. Like it, uh, no, 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 no sleeves off my shirt. No sleeves, no problems. Uh, no sleeves, no problems. Or, you know, or a wool jersey. Um, yeah. Uh, and then, uh, 
And then backpacks. We both believe in backpacks. Oh, a vest. I love a vest. Yep. Yeah. Same. Like a wind, like a wind vest or a doom vest or a Pearl Azumi vest or something like that. Those are great. A gilet. Never used <laughs> one of those, but yes. Yeah. Isn't a gilet a vest? Isn't that the same thing? Oh, I was thinking uh, G- with Giante, Giante. There's a, there's a company that ha- makes a, like a windbreaker vest. I don't know. Oh, Done. I don't know about that, but I'm a big fan of vests too. I like uh, in cold weather. I'll do a wool jersey, a wind vest, and then a windbreaker. Mm-hmm. And then the windbreaker comes off as soon as I warm up, mm-hmm. and then I can breathe through this, you know, wool. But then I've got the wind block at the front. That's that's lights out. That's the best thing. I like a uh, I like a um, a lined like a thermal jacket. <clears throat> Oh, too, because like you get to the top of, you know, you get midway through your ride and then you got to ride home. Uh, and so you're probably going to maybe like there's going to be some descending involved and uh, you're just going to be trying to cook it to get home because you forgot your lights and it's getting dark and it's cold and you throw a thermal jacket on. And, they, you know, they're like wind stopper stuff on the outside and a real light, yeah. fuzzy kind yeah. of material on the inside. Yeah, I'm a big fan of big fan of those, too. I like I like that um, fleece lined like a fleece line that micro fleece lined bibs mm. in the winter. I have a pair of those, and it's just I mean it's obviously it's cold enough now, but I've never I don't think I ever wore them in the Bay or not in the Bay Area, and I must have had them since I moved from Santa Cruz because I would have worn the shit out of them there. There's something very slightly erotic about them to me like you pull them on and they're all tight but they're soft and i just feel like mildly aroused mm. uh when i'm i'm wearing them i hope everyone i ride with feels weird now <laughs> <laughs> knowing that you as long as you have yeah. those sh- shorts on you're you're turned on i'm having like a little i'm having a little thing over there don't worry don't worry about me okay so we got uh we got uh we really got after it with that one yeah I think did we cover bags, shirts, uh maybe a flannel is nice, sleeveless cowboy shirt during the summer, I'm a big fan of those. <laughs> uh backpack, uh, a wool flappy ear uh, a cap, you know like a winter cap. Yeah. Well, big fan of those. Uh regular cycling cap uh under a helmet, you know with a visor. I don't wear cycling yep. caps when I'm not riding. I think that's kind of dorky. Um you think it's kind of dorky, and I think it's kind of dorky, but we both kind of admire the people that pull it off. Do we not? Mark Dickerson, who I've mentioned numerous times, like he used to, he used to work in it. You know, when he was wrenching in his shop, he'd have a cycling cap on. It was like a throwback to like, you know, like the '80s, like cycling movies and shit, because everybody'd wear. Yeah, I think it's. Like when I put it on, if I put on a cycling cap and go in the grocery store, I feel like I have a neon light over my head that says tool. Yeah. But if I see someone else do it, it's like, I don't know. There's a lot of fashion, fashion. There's a lot of fashion stuff that other people do. And I'm like, I really don't know how you're doing that because I can't do it. If I did the exact, I think you look good. But if I did the exact same thing you're doing, I would look like, uh, feel like a chump. Yeah. Uh, Maybe it's because ha- I'm a chump. Is having that what a cycling, it is? Having a cycling cap pulled down tight with the bill up, like yeah. Spike, Spike Lee style. Yeah. I don't like that. 
I don't care. My friend don't care Fez pulls it. that off. My friend Fez shows up. He's just got that thing going on. I'm like, Fez, you, you know, you're like, you, you, I want to uh, mouth kiss you. Mouth, of course it's mouth. I want to like open mouth kiss you. And he's like, well, why? And I'm like, well, how are you doing that? And I can't uh, do it. No, some, I go, okay. Some people, some people can, it's not, it's not my jam, but now we're not talking about yeah. gear specifically. Yeah, sorry. We're just talking about sorry. how one wears gear. Otherwise, I'm like sitting. I have a great walls wool cycling cap. Uh huh. I love that. I like it. I like a good. I like a good cycling cap for sure. Um, I just don't wear a winter cap. It's real pointy up top. You know, like good. Is it luft or luft? I I thought it was. I thought it was luft, but then I've been then I've been corrected, and people have told me it's luft. Anyway. Uh, Dave Ostrand, the first time I ever met Dave O, who was one of the principals, uh, like kind of one of the founders at Rock Shocks, uh, Detroit, Diamond Detroit, Dave O, the guy is all time. Uh, I met him and somebody, Jeff Reniker from Swobo said, oh, Dave O, he does all the fashion do's and don'ts at once. Uh, he was wearing burgundy, um, Swobo knickers, uh, sort of, a, I think, a mustard yellow sport coat, a Hawaiian shirt, a tie, like a striped tie, <laughs> Vans, yeah. and uh, and he had this winter, this really tall winter cycling cap with the ear flaps, but it was like sitting on the top of his head. Yeah. And the fabric on the front was Windstopper, and it said, just in the diagonal, it said, hot dog, hot dog, hot dog, hot dog, hot dog, hot <laughs> dog. And then down in one corner, it said, Dave O. And I was like, oh. that was the first time he, and I was like, winter hats are where it's at. No matter what that is, a f- yeah. that is fucking perfect. And I, in my memory, it was much taller than a normal winter hat. It was like a Pope hat. I remember it just being huge <laughs> off of his head. And I know. I'm a big fan I've of that. I've seen some of these. They're like traditional Euro winter cycling caps and they are peaked. It's like a, they're like, you're the fucking Bishop of bikes. Yeah. Yeah, I've and got, I, I got I'm a few like, of those. Do you? Yeah. I had some, and I look like an idiot. I look like a reservoir-tipped condom. I love them. I love them. Recently, because I had this one stretchy wool Swobo hat that I wore for, ye- like, 12 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lost it, found it. I know that cap. And then I, it's like t- it's like skull cap, but it's like four, it's like four cornered up on top. Like it, And so I got a new one. And I wore it forever. And then I, as soon as I moved here, I lost it. And I've just been fucking devastated. So I searched the world over for like a specific kind of wool. And then I found this woman and she made me a few of them. And they're good. They're not deep enough. I need to make another one that's a little deeper. So I got to buy another $100 worth of wool, which is only a yard, and then get a few more hats. <laughs> um uh, anyway, so my new jam is to put that on, and then I put a winter cycling cap over it. So I'm like double covered, and I I look like a million dollars. Oh, I am a fan of two hats. I will yeah. put two wool hats on on a real cold day. I just want to. This is good. You just told this story, uh, and what was beautiful about it was that you actually are a doomsday prepper in some ways. <laughs> You're like, you find a thing that you like and you're like, oh, fuck, I might have to live a life without this. So I'm going to buy 10 of them and store them or I'm going to I want this hat so badly. I'm going to spend 
I mean, I know you, so I know that some of the shit that you sell in your store, you're like, I want this thing so badly, I'm going to invest 1500 bucks uh-huh. in 60 units of it and hope I can sell some of them. It's true. It's absolutely true. I, It's ridiculous. Like, Arnett made this one specific kind of op, like gla- riding glasses a number of years ago called the Threat. And um, I had three pairs of them, and they all got broken at some point or another and I was pretty devastated and then I found somebody had like a fucking bushel of these things on eBay just white yeah and so I bought like 12 pairs so I have like I have 12 pairs of white arnet threats <laughs> you know just in case it's in your I'm, bunker I'm absolutely obsessed I have Karumba double barrel cranks I have like four pairs of those um tried to talk Paul Price into making a a double barrel Paul price from Paul component engineering into making a double barrel crank that would work with an external bottom bracket, which (laughs) (laughs) I don't think he's, I don't think he's interested in that. Um, what, what are the other things? Uh, uh, Giro made a, um, it was the Giro Numo helmet. I loved that helmet so much. They stopped making it. So I bought like five of those. It's just, it's, it's a, it's obsession. When Giro, I would do this. I'm just not clever enough. So when Giro came out with their new road collection a couple years ago, yeah, um, Eric Richter and Bob Scales worked on that. I think uh, they did. Uh, and then there was a woman from Lululemon, Lululemon, Lululemon. I don't know how you say it. Uh, I think, and she came in to do the women's. I call line. it Karen's Leotads. <laughs> she came in to do the women's line the following season. They released the men's line and then gauged the the response, and then and then did the women's line. It was good. that was good stuff. It's great stuff. I got these. I got these shorts. Uh, I I forget what they're called now. Um. But they made these and they made a pants version of them. And they're so I they're my favorites of all times. And if I could buy 10 pairs, I would. Yeah. I don't know. Eric, Eric or Bob, if you're out there and you know where I can find these fucking pants. It's so frustrating. Uh, When Chris DiStefano was working at Chrome, they did. uh, They did a super cool bag that was like skateboard transportable specific. Yep. Uh, and then the management change dropped those. They're impossible to find now. They'd made a great knicker. And I've not, I've long wanted to like knickers, but I have, I just can't do it. I'm not a knicker guy. I but tried I, also, and I'm, I'm too stumpy legged. I got a pair of the, the chrome ones. And then when I realized I like lived in a place where knickers made sense here. Yeah. I, you can, they don't make them anymore. So then I started like poking around trying to find. You know, and so I'm fucked. I got like this one pair of knickers. It took me like 20 years to become a knicker guy. And then when I finally did it, I can't get the pair that I want anymore. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. You find something that works. You it, you have to get as many of them as possible because inevitably they'll go out of production. So um, we're 47 minutes. Let's get on to question two. Do we, <laughs> did we do that? Uh, yeah, we don't really need to. Why do you think cyclists are so obsessed with gear? Because we fucking need it. And what do we actually really need to have the fun we need to have? Whatever uh, you have on. <clears throat> yeah, it doesn't. It's it's silly. We It's just it's trinkets and gugas and bike riders love love that shit. So, uh, yeah, whatever. Um, question three. Yeah. What? Question okay. three. Uh, would you rather be woken up every morning 
by somebody pissing directly in your face or just as you drift off to sleep every night getting punched in the balls. Um, So to make this like specific or not specific, but not specific to getting punched in the balls, would you say getting punched in the crotch? Sure. Yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to make it. This Uh, is like a punch. So I thought about this a lot. Like, (laughs) a lot. (laughs) And... I texted this to you on Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Yeah, yeah, you did. I didn't didn't have anything else going on Christmas, so I just focused on this. Good, 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 good. But I would much rather be woken up by pee than getting punched. I would... I have... It would give me anxiety to know that, like, uh, like I'd be thinking about it all day. I'm so fucking tired. I got to go home, you know, or like after a bar shift when I'm going to bed at four o'clock in the morning and I lay down, I'm just so exhausted and I got to rest up because I got to, you know, I got another bar shift in fucking eight hours and I'm totally wiped out. And the, and the right as I'm drifting off to sleep, I get punched in the balls. The anxiety that that would give me all day every day would be uh it would be something that i couldn't escape being peed on you're like wow fuck okay i'm gonna wash my bedding again (laughs) (laughs) and and i'm gonna get on with my day you don't think that the you would have an equal anxiety like as you're drifting off to sleep you'd be like Oh, to me, it's kind of the same, right? It's like, I'm so tired. It's maybe it's, it's Saturday night. You don't have anywhere to be on Sunday. You're like, I'm just going to sleep a little extra. And then, well, I was imagining it being sort of like, as soon as you have a cat, you don't have a cat, do you? No. Uh, my, my old cat, when he, he would like sit on my chest and as soon as I, I don't know, like as soon as my breathing would change or he'd see like a fluttering of my eyelashes, he would, he would proceed. He only did it when I was sleeping. He would like force his nose into my nostrils. Like he would like push his face into my face, but not before that he wouldn't wake me up doing it. But as soon as he saw that I was a little bit awake, he would start, he would start hassling me. And, I loved it. Like it, you know, like every time it happened, I was like, oh, these, you know, this is, this is not going to go, I'm not going to have him around forever. So it was just like embracing every quirky little exchange that I had with him was, was awesome. Every day was great with him. You're a better person than I am. I, so we don't, I have a dog, uh, an ugly sort of pit bull mixed dog, Django, and I love him. I love him. He smells awful and I love him. I have a lot of time for Django. We spend a lot of time together, but he does not get to sleep in the room with us because, well, two reasons. First of all, between 4 and 4.30 a.m. every night, he spends a half hour scratching himself and licking himself really loud. <laughs> and it's, okay. it sucks. But the other thing that he does when he he's ready for you to be awake is he comes over to the side of the bed and he's like... He gets as close as he can, and then he goes. <sighs> he just sighs, like like uh, you're putting him out. Yeah, I don't know that I would have a problem with that. I only I only got mad at Buddy one 
time. Like I only like raised my voice at him one time and I was under, uh, I was doing a moots, doing the illustrations for a moots catalog. Mm. And I had, so I had just done an installation of paintings for a two night engagement. Uh, shellac played two nights at the great American music hall in San Francisco. And I had done this installation of paintings behind the state, uh, behind them on the stage. So that took a lot of preparation, a lot of energy. And then they asked me, uh, Todd Trainer asked me if I wanted to go on the road with them and do the same installation in Portland for two nights and in Seattle for two nights, which, duh, like, yeah. who the fuck wouldn't want to do that? But I'd also agreed to do, there were like 20 illustrations for this Moots catalog that year. And there were yeah. these watercolor. And I had 12 days to do these drawings. And I was really under the gun. So I had to decline the trip with shellac, which was a bummer. And I was like working. Was I work? I guess I was probably working at Santa Cruz at the time. So I would work all day and then I would come home and then draw, you know, until my fingers cramped. And then I would do it all over again to get all of these illustrations. And I didn't have a scanner. So I was getting all the illustrations packed up and FedExed off to the art director. Um, but Buddy jumped up on my desk and knocked over a bottle of ink, which thankfully didn't get on one of the drawings, but I was so keyed up and I, I was like, God damn it, you know, and kind of like raised my voice at him and scared him, scared him a little bit. But that was the only time like I didn't he could do no wrong. And he was I, constantly fucking with me. I yell at Django every night. <laughs> <laughs> every night I'm cooking, I'm cooking, I'm standing at the stove and Django creeps up because he creeps. That's what he does. And he creeps up behind me and he just sits right behind me as I'm cooking. <laughs> and I turn and I almost fall over him. And because like the first time he did it, I was like, oh, that's funny. The dog is in the way. And then I started like yelling at him. I would be like, Django, get the fuck out of the kitchen. <laughs> and he he would go skittering out of the kitchen. But then he does it every night. Yeah. It doesn't, he doesn't, I guess because I'm not uh, a monster, I don't abuse, I don't actually abuse my dog. Like I don't hit him or kick him or whatever. So he's kind of like, well, he's going to yell, but this is still going to be funny. <laughs> I think that's probably where he's at. Maybe so. I think cats are easier to manage. Like dogs are just like big, clumsy children, you know, like I, I love, I love dogs and nuts about them. Um, but I think I would probably have an easier time getting frustrated. Like cats are just slinky little and you go and you pick them up and you put them on the bed and then they're out of your way. Like a dog, dogs are a little bit more unwieldy. Uh, I don't know. Yes. Anyway. So. Piss in the face. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Yeah, yeah. I would rather. Who is peeing on me? Uh, I don't know. I think it's probably a rotating cast of characters. You could wake up and you'd be like, oh, I'm totally cool with them peeing on me. Or you'd be like, oh, Jesus, like Boxcar Joe is <laughs> had drank water in six days and he's peeing on me right now. This I, is a drag. I don't think I'm cool with anyone pissing on my face to wake me up. OK, so we disagree. You would rather <laughs> get punched in the balls as you're falling well, asleep. Well, no, I, that's a like violence, right? As you're falling asleep. I think you would, you would actually lose your mind. 
It, I don't know about you, and I haven't gotten, you know, I, t- I remember a, a woman in high, when I was in high school, this woman I used to work with said that she, she reckoned like cramps and getting punched in the balls were a real similar feeling. Uh-huh. And that kind of gave me some perspective. Like, you know, obviously, I, I don't know what, I don't know what menstrual cramps are like. They sound right. de- absolutely completely debilitating, you know, Not for cool. some people. For some yeah. people, and some people are like, yeah, it's a hassle, but, you know, and some people are laid up for days. Um, even if it was somewhere in the middle, uh, and that's what, that's what getting, that's what getting punched in the balls feels like, or that's what cr- menstrual, getting punched in the balls is what, yeah, is what menstrual cramps feel like. Uh, it's, I am, I don't like it at all. I haven't gotten really lit up since, uh, the night before my high school graduation, Chip Klein backhanded me in the nuts so hard that he lifted me off the ground. And just, I think that was sometimes every time I see Barry Wicks, he's got a thing where he thinks it's funny to hit me in the nuts. So the last time I got it real bad was, was, it was when Chip did it to me, but Barry's done the fucking like backhand slap to me a few times i'm not into it at all i don't like it at all so i would have to say, even like a light flick i don't i'm not into it so i would go with the i gotta go with the p and our, and and just because i want to dig on this just just a little bit more the, but there were some people where you might like open a like crack an eyelid and be like oh oh no this is okay <laughs> yes <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Okay, then. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Hey, thanks for listening to Revolting. We know it wasn't easy, uh, but you're likely a better person for it. We hope you're a better person for it. Um, If you actually like this podcast called Revolting, please tell a friend or consider subscribing to The Cycling Independent. Uh, It's how we pay ourselves, which is not very much. And if you have anything that you would like to, you know, questions you'd like for us to field or topics you'd like for us to discuss, you can get a hold of me at stevel at cyclingindependent.com or robot at cyclingindependent.com. And uh, so, as always, on behalf of the Cycling Independent, thank you for listening. I'm Stevel. I'm Robot. Don't forget to suck it.